Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you being influenced? If you watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, then there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash jesse to make the switch today and save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash jesse. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years, was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me a drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink, the guys come in, I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her a hundred dollars. If you're with the mob, I say, hey Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. This is The Jesse Kelly Show.
What's the most horrifying pre-death scenario you can imagine? Not the actual death itself. You know, we've gone over all that before on the show. We'll go over it again. That would probably be either crucifixion or scaphism, also called the boats, particularly an ugly way to die. Not talking about that today. I'll address it another time. I'm talking about the pre-death scenario. You know you're going to die. What's the most horrifying situation you can imagine? I'm about to talk you through what I think is probably number one. But that's going to have to wait a few. Do you know why... On the Mexican flag, there's that eagle with a snake in its talons because of the Aztecs. The Aztec people did not call themselves Aztecs, but I'm not some fancy schmancy historian with a bunch of degrees, so I'm going to call them by the name that you know them by, Aztecs. Consider them the One of the indigenous peoples of Mexico? Let's be honest. They're one of Mexico's Indian tribes. That's what they are. The Aztecs, the Mayans. But the Aztecs were, think about the year 1200 to, well, to the end of our story today. They were the big boys on the block. And they roll in to this area of Mexico from what we know, remember, we're not in an era with, you know, emails and text messages and everything is written down and somebody make a voice memo. So things get a little cloudy, especially when it comes to people who at least initially weren't writing anything down. Or even that they, if they did write some things down, like in the case of the Aztecs, once they got their feet underneath them, someone came along and destroyed it all. So some, of the, some of the stuff's a little hazy. But when they arrived in that area of Mexico, they were thought of as, and I love this, I've always gotten a kick out of this, they were thought of as barbarians. Barbarians by the standards of the other Mexican indigenous people. (laughs) You see, we always like to put that because ever so much of our education system now is really America sucks. Anybody who, who colonized somebody sucks. Christopher Columbus sucks. Everything sucks. The white people were devils. The Indians were amazing, peaceful people. Whether they be Indians, Gauls in Roman times, whoever, people always, always, find a way to look down on other people. It's part of what we do as human beings. Does not matter your skin color. Does not matter your tribe. You could put somebody on a mountaintop in Nepal somewhere and put a little town up there and never give them any contact with the outside world at all. And the first time somebody showed up to their little town, they would be all, look at this uncivilized brute. It's human nature. You do it in your life. I do it in my life. Don't you? We, we try to fight against that as much as possible, but 
we we definitely have to fight against that as much as possible. But <laughs> look at that guy. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't know how to drive. But hey, what are you honking at me for? I'm sorry I drifted a little. Can we all do it? So the Aztecs roll in and again. The other tribes who were there, the quote, more civilized tribes at the time, looked at them as in, oh my gosh, these guys, these guys are savages. But it should be noted, they were savages who loved to kill people and were very, 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 very good at killing people. They may have been barbarians, as is often the case. Barbarians know how to kill people. The Romans were famous for this. Well, I mean, yes, these Gauls are disgusting, uncivilized brutes, but you know, they can sure bury an axe in someone's face. Let's hire some of these guys. And all the tribes that were there at various times would hire the Aztecs early on to go fight some battles with them, sometimes just for them. And eventually, and this happens a lot, you will hear me talk about this years from now. I'll still be talking about this because I find the concept of this fascinating. I've actually done a whole show on it once. Eventually, the Aztecs look around and they say, well, why are we doing the fighting for other people when we're the muscle around here? Tell me what stops us from just deciding we're the ones in charge. And the examples of this throughout history are endless of people hiring out their muscle. And one day the muscle becomes self-aware and thinks, um, well, I'm just going to run things now. And what are you going to do about it? I'm the muscle. That's pretty much what happens with the Aztecs. Well, we've been kicking the crap out of everybody else down here. I think we're just going to move in. And so they start to get their feet under them, start to build themselves up. And in one of the most gruesome, awesome historical stories I've ever told you, just a little mini side note, I love this so much because picturing it makes me laugh, even though this is horrific and actually happened to a human being. Check this out. They were no different than the rest of the world at this time, as in you make marriages of convenience. You make marriages for allegiances, you know, we want to merge these two tribes. You know, we've had some bad blood. Why don't, why don't you send your son over here and he can get married to my daughter and look, that'll cement our relationship, right? Blood. And that's look, people think that was just something the Europeans did. Everybody did that tribes, everybody throughout the world. Understand that as Americans in the year 2020, we all obsess over, you know, we have to find love. Oh, when, when you see this, especially with women all the time, when they get start getting up there in years, start, start the biological clock is ticking, starting to feel like I should be married by now. When will I find love? I just need love. There's the worst, perfect man for me to love. And I'm not even insulting it. We have that luxury. You can marry just for love here. Good for you. Do that. Hold out for that. That's fine. But I'm also telling you that is not the norm in the history of the world, especially with the upper classes of any given society. The upper classes of any given society oftentimes, most of the time, have to marry who they're freaking told to marry. If you were a king and you have a daughter, 
even if you absolutely love her to pieces, that girl's most likely getting shipped off to somebody you're trying to cement an allegiance with. Period. That's it. Your son? Ah, Dad, I found this peasant girl. I love her. Yeah, that's fine, son. You can take her as a slave, but you're not marrying her. You're marrying these people in this nation because we just had a little battle and we signed a treaty and now we have to get along. Sound good? Now, granted, you can marry her and then have a harem because that's how they did everything back then, but, oh, you're marrying her. Which is another thing for you to feel blessed about on this Tuesday, isn't it? That you get to make that choice. It's nice to have that freedom. It would be a little difficult if at the age of, what, 15, 16, 17, and Aztec times, they'd be marrying you off at 12 if you were a woman. But think about today. 16, 17 years old, your parents come storming in your room. Honey, I have great news. We found the guy you're going to marry. Oh, um, okay. Do, do we even know if he showers? Does he shower? How's his dental hygiene? Hang on. Naturals. They have what you need right now. And yes, they have a long list of really great quality items, natural items. That's why the name Boomer Naturals. But let's be frank, you need a face mask. I am not here telling you to wear a face mask at all times. I'm telling you to do some of the things you love doing. You're going to be required to wear a face mask. I've been telling you this and now you see it. It's already coming true. Employers are requiring people to wear face masks. I went to a restaurant the other night. I'm not going to name the restaurant. Walked in. They said, you are required to wear a face mask from the door to the table in here. I'm not making that up. Face mask requirements are here. Go get one, a good one, at boomernaturals.com. And don't forget to use the promo code JESSE20. Get you 20% off every order. BoomerNaturals.com. So marriages, especially amongst the nobility, were arranged. Now, and... One of the most horrific stories ever that is just, it is just amazing. The Aztecs were obsessed, obsessed with blood, obsessed with human sacrifice. I don't mean obsessed with blood as in studying the platelets. I mean thinking that was life. Life was about shedding blood. That was that was what the gods wanted. The gods demanded blood, and the gods demanded human sacrifices. Picture every horrific stereotype about every barbaric people in every movie you've ever seen, and that's the Aztecs all rolled up into one. You don't have to change a thing about the Aztec people to make them absolutely horrifying. 
And when I say horrifying, I mean child sacrifices by the thousands. Child sacrifices in a way the gods demanded tears first so they would... Well, you know what? I'm not going to go into That's a little too dark. They would force the child in certain ways to cry before sacrificing them because they wanted tears and blood. You know I always try to have some perspective when it comes to historical people and historical societies because values were different. I do not look at Genghis Khan like a mass murderer, genocidal maniac even though he kind of was. For their culture, he was not. That's how he was raised. That's what he was taught to do. I do not look at Christopher Columbus or our, one of our main characters today, Hernan Cortez, as some huge raper and pillager, pillager of you know Indian tribes, even though there was quite a bit of that, but that's what they did back then. You went and conquered. The Aztecs are one of the few tribes I have absolutely no excuses for. When your culture is hurting children on purpose before you carve out their hearts and eat them, you've got to at some point in time look around and say, you know, this doesn't feel right. I feel like maybe we've gone too far. However, They were obsessed with it, and I mean obsessed with it in a way that the other tribes, often tribes who also practice human sacrifice and cannibalism, looked at the Aztecs in in horror. Their contemporaries were like, ooh, man, these guys. So back to that arranged marriage I was talking about, the Aztecs decide they want to cement a relationship with one of the most powerful kings of one of the other tribes in central Mexico at the time, this king offers his daughter to one of the Aztecs in marriage. The Aztecs say, that is awesome. This will really cement our relationship. In fact, she's actually going to be a goddess for us. And apparently the man didn't do the research because the king said, oh, that sounds awesome. Good. Treat her well, boys. And they're like, we will, Jack. We got you covered. Little while later, the king shows up at a banquet with the Aztec nobility, sits down for a meal, and one of the Aztec priests walks out wearing his daughter's skin, which they'd flayed off her body after they cut her heart out. And keep in mind, this is why I actually find this story horrifyingly humorous. The Aztecs had no idea he was going to be upset. They were shocked at him reacting the way he did. As you can imagine, he lost his mind and threw them out of the area. They they had no idea. To them, they thought this was a great honor. To them, they did honor her. To him... Um, you're wearing my daughter's skin. So these people were horrific. <laughs> Absolutely horrific. But they did build something. Well, I'll put it to you this way. If you were to let me travel back in time and not be there because I don't want my heart carved out of my body, even by accident, 
not actually be there or, you know, be a ghost and check someplace out. Their capital city, and I'm only going to try to pronounce this once because I can't pronounce it at all. It's Tenochtitlan. Sounds like one of the coolest, most advanced places ever. You see, I gave you all the negatives on the Aztecs. The positives are they actually did develop writing. They were excellent at figuring out the stars. They figured out mathematics. They had schools. And they built this city. Some say they didn't. Some say they discovered it and and improved it. But they built this city essentially in the middle of a lake. And they built a huge causeway to it. And when I say city, we're talking half a million people in the middle of a lake. And they built gardens out of mud, gardens that floated. And they had irrigation and they had neighborhoods set up and they had sanitation set up. It was, by all accounts, an advanced, advanced society. And they started beating the crap Out of all the other tribes, they were now the big boy on the block. And many of the other tribes, sadly, became essentially sacrifice mills for the Aztecs. You see, we're going to storm into your tribe. We're going to take your land. No, we're not going to wipe you out. Of course not. We like you. We're friends. Uh, But we are going to be back every month and take five of your kids to go carve out their hearts. Do you think that created some bad blood and bad blood? It certainly did because eventually in 1519 along comes a man and his name is Hernan Cortez. And this guy, well, I don't know what to tell you about him other than the fact he has balls the size of the Empire State Building, two of them, did a lot of raping and pillaging himself. Probably not somebody you would want babysitting your kids. Definitely not someone you would want in charge of the HOA. However, if you're heading into hostile territory and you need a man to lead other men into battle, there aren't many men you would put ahead of Hernan Cortez. You see, he was the third expedition Spain landed in Mexico, and the other two ended horrifically with Mayan arrows and spears sticking out of their faces. And Cortez pretty much swindles his way into getting a fleet. He was authorized to have the fleet, and then as they were pulling his authorization to have the fleet... He murders the guy who was coming to tell him he wasn't authorized to have the fleet, hops on the ships and says, see ya, we'll be back in a few. He lands on Mexico, knowing the last two expeditions died, knowing he's surrounded by hostile people, even though he really doesn't know about the Aztecs yet. And he promptly burns all of his ships except for one. The only reason he left that one there was so he could ship gold to the king of Spain and tell him, look, man, I'm making you rich. You better you better back me here. He burnt all the others to show his men there is no escape. There is nowhere to go. We're here for gold, Jack. We are here to conquer, and there ain't no retreat. So I suggest you gird your loins, boys. That's actually really, really cool. Landing all your ships in a hostile, unknown territory and burning them in front of your men. <laughs> are you ready to? Are you ready to roll now, boys? 
And the king of the Aztecs, a man by the name of Montezuma, I know you've heard the name, gets wind about these new people that got here, and he sends some messengers. And that doesn't go very well. help keep you healthy i know what you're thinking i know what i know we'll i'll i'll just boost up my immune system well yeah that's good obviously i'll just work out a lot also very helpful i'll eat well that's also very helpful do you know scientifically one of the best things in the world you can do to boost your immune system keep you safe from all the nasty bugs that are out there sleep you need to sleep your body needs rest. It's not just for your mind. Your body needs that time to recover and recharge. That's why you need an Ebb Sleep. Ebb Sleep is a wearable, drug-free solution that applies continuous, precise cooling to your forehead, which calms your thoughts, which puts you to sleep, and keeps you asleep. Go to tryebb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Use the code jesse at checkout for 25 bucks off. Another quick note on the Aztec capital to Nochitlan, and I'm sure I'm screwing that up. Don't email me and yell at me. Actually, you're welcome to. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. They had a zoo. Yeah, when I tell you it was advanced, it was advanced. The Spanish dudes who eventually showed up there, we'll get to there in just a few, their jaws dropped. They wrote the king of Spain and essentially told him, this is unlike any place you've ever seen. This place is a jewel. I would love to have seen it. I would love to have seen it. Now, Montezuma gets word. There's some really pale dudes who showed up in his his territory. Apparently, they're making some noise down there with the Mayans. Better send some people. Montezuma, send some people down there. And he sends them with some gifts. Gifts of gold. Wants to make friends. Wants to tell them essentially, hey, just want to welcome you to Mexico. Here's some gold for you. No need to come visit us. We're good to go up here. Just wanted you to give, have some gifts and, and go on about your way. Now, something you need to understand about Cortez, about the Spanish at this time, about the French at this time, about the English at this time, this is the era where they are colonizing the world. And oftentimes they're colonizing the world in the name of God. This was that era in human history, or I guess you could say that's most of human history, if you really want to look at it, where religion kind of got forced to merge with your own purposes. I'm not even one of these anti-colonist guys. You know, if, if you want to colonize somebody, look, that's how they conquered the world. That's why we have America today. We have all these these wonderful things we have because somebody a long time ago came and colonized the place. I'm not, I'm not one of those dudes. You know I'm not. 
but it was a pretty violent, pretty violent way of life. A pretty violent way to go about your business. Now, again, I'm also not one of those guys who thinks violence is wrong. I think that is an absolutely absurd, absurd modern-day soft way to look at life. It's not preferred, but uh, violence is called for all the time. How do you think we got rid of Hitler with some nice letters? We went and shot Germans in the face. How do you think we stopped Japan? Um, We went and bayoneted a lot of Japanese people, a lot of them. In fact, we dropped napalm on Tokyo and burned 100,000 men, women, and children to death. We did that, the United States of America. And unlike your history teacher, I'm not even mad about it. That's war. That's how things go. So like I said, violence is not, not, well, they're, they're violent. They must have been evil. I'm not saying that, but the whole expand the world for king and country and Catholicism thing oftentimes merged perfectly with expand the world for gold and, you know, privilege. Everybody wants to be rich and famous, both in 1519 and in the year 2020. That's not a new concept. And the Aztecs is the same thing, too, you know. We, we look at that from the Spanish point of view. Oh, they were abusing Catholicism. Do you think some of the Aztecs conquering all their neighbors, you know, just because they needed more human sacrifice, do you think some of that may have been they wanted more territory, they wanted more slaves, they wanted more wealth? Of course they were doing the same thing. Of course they were. Hey, I'm sorry. We got to go take these people over. Look, the gods demand it. Do we or do we not need human sacrifice here? That's what I thought. No, I understand they have some goods we're going to end up trading. That's fine. But that's that's a side note. Cortez was there for gold. He was there for wealth and fame. And remember, Cortez was there illegally, very much illegally. That's part of the reason he burned the boats. There is no return for Cortez unless he returns with a lot of money for the king. So the king says, you know what? I actually just decided it was legal. Good work, Hernan. And he knows this. He knows this very well. He's very open about it. So Montezuma sends him some gold. Cortez, they kind of slap around and abuse the guys Montezuma sends him, and they absolutely terrify the guys Montezuma sends him. They fire off a cannon. Try to picture what a cannon looks, sounds, and smells like if you're a human being who's never seen anything bigger than maybe a bow and arrow. Try to imagine, try to imagine for a moment what a horse looks like to you in big horses. The Spanish rode big horses. Try to imagine what a big horse looks like to you if all you've ever seen is a small dog. That's all you've ever seen in your life as far as the larger animals go, besides, you know, jaguars and such. And all of a sudden, you have a guy riding up to you on horseback in armor firing off a cannon. Yeah, the Aztecs went running back to Montezuma with reports of, "Uh uh-oh, this is not good, but here's the deal. Cortez only had about 500 dudes, a little over 500 dudes. There were something like 40,000 Aztec warriors at this time. Muskets or no muskets, swords or no swords, 
Montezuma should win this fight. Oh, and Cortez had dogs. They had war dogs, which I would love to have seen war dogs. I'm not totally sure I would love to have seen one in action because that is not a pleasant way to go. That psychopath in Korea feeds people to dogs because it's supposed to be so horrific. When you get fed to the dogs, the reasons it's horrific is dogs do not go for the jugular like cats. It's actually not the end of the world if you got eaten by a tiger. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna choke you out quickly. He's going to wrap his teeth around your throat and you're gone. The dogs are going to eat you from the feeder wherever they get you. So a big armored up war dog was probably pretty much crap your pants mode for any warrior who faced something like that. Oh my gosh. You would think it was a monster, right? Right? Is this an Avengers movie? What what is this? Cortez makes his way up to to Notchitland and if you're in any way fascinated by this story, I'm not sure I've ever skipped over as many amazing battles and moments as I just skipped over when I fast-forwarded from Cortez landing on the shore to getting up to the actual Aztec capital. There's more political intrigue and backstabbing, and this tribe tries to kill him. This tribe saves him. Cortez is politically maneuvering. It is amazing. It is an amazing story. I would highly recommend you consume everything you can on it. Let me see. I like to plug other people whenever I can. I remember Daniele Bellelli has a History on Fire podcast about this. It's like five two-hour episodes. Listen to every single one of them if it interests you. I love it. Someone else did a podcast on it, and it's going to drive me crazy. And I'm going to start learning to post the things I read to give you guys some more details because some of you are detail freaks and I don't have time to get into it because it's not a history show. Kind of. uh, I guess in a way it is. A little. Cortez gets up to the Capitol. And why did he go to the Capitol? Because Montezuma sent him gold. Cortez gets into the Capitol. They basically think he's a god. Legitimately. That, of course, goes south quickly. Once the Spanish do enough raping and pillaging of the Aztec culture and the Aztecs don't take too kindly to the Spanish saying, um, could you, could you, uh, could you stop with the human sacrifices? That's actually horrific in an affront to God. So there's clearly a cultural clash going on here, and it goes south really quickly. And again, I skipped over a million really, really, really cool things. Really cool things. In fact, there was this one thing in the city square. All right, hang on. I'll explain. I have my phone sitting here beside me. It's sitting on the table. And that's no problem, right? It's what you do. You set your phone down on the restaurant table, on your desk at work, various surfaces throughout the day. You touch a million things, and then you grab your phone. You talk in it. You put your phone back. And this happens over time without disinfecting it. And before you know it, your phone is full of bacteria. On average, your phone has more bacteria on it than a public restroom. That is nasty. <laughs> That's really nasty. And you don't have to drown it in chemicals. All you need is a clean phone pro. 
A clean phone pro has nine powerful UVC lights, totally disinfects your phone, disinfects your keys, wallets, credit cards, whatever you need. And when you go to AmericaFirstShop.com and get a clean phone pro, you use the code JESSE, they'll give you free two-day FedEx shipping. AmericaFirstShop.com, go get a clean phone pro today. I have to tell a quick side story. I was going to try to hit this from just the 30,000 point view, but point of view, 30,000 foot view. Shut up. I've only been doing this like a year and a half. I went to community college. I have almost three years of community college credits. I don't say words correctly. In fact, I'm positive I've massacred the pronunciation of virtually every day my views so far today. I'm positive I have, and I don't care. You are going to have to learn to work around me. It's really, really more of a burden for you. But remember when I said Cortez was there illegally? He was there really, really, really illegally, especially in the eyes of the governor of Cuba, a Spanish governor, obviously, who Cortez basically gave the middle finger to when he took off for Mexico. That's what's so amazing about this whole thing. It wasn't even supposed to be there. He's like, I'm just, I'm going to go conquer some stuff. What, I'm not allowed? Yeah, I'm going anyway. We'll be fine. We're just going to go take on the most powerful people over here. Give me some dogs. That's all I need is some dogs. I'm taking ruffles. I don't know why. That part has always made me laugh. What he did is amazing. It is incredible. And he did it without permission. He did it without backing for the most part. So, Cortez is in Tenochtitlan. He's in the capital with, with Montezuma. And things are not they're, they're not going great. But things haven't devolved yet into all-out war. We're heading there quickly. And Cortez gets word, uh, yeah, the governor of Cuba just landed a lot of Spaniards here, and they're not here for the Aztecs. They're all here to kill or capture you. And now Cortez, because he's Cortez, says, all right, well, I'm going to go handle this. Alvarado was one of his lieutenants. Hey, bud, you are in charge. Just just keep the peace while I'm gone, okay? I'm going to go handle the invasion, kick the crap out of these guys. You stay here. Just don't ruffle too many feathers. Cool? Cool. He takes off, and he's not gone for 30 seconds, and Alvarado just has a massive massacre of a lot of Aztecs in the city. (laughs) It should be noted while Cortez was gone, he went, not only beat the, the Spaniards who far outnumbered him, who just landed, the ones he didn't beat, He flat out convinced them to join his side because he was going to give them a lot of gold. So he goes and fight. He goes to fight the guys who were supposed to get him. And he's just like, or we could all get rich. (laughs) And the guys were like, you know, I actually like your plan better. Your plan's way better. Screw this. He takes off. And by the time he gets back to the city, as I said, Alvarado had a big bit of a massacre. A quick side note on the massacre. 
There are a bunch of different sources saying different things why it happened. Alvarado swears up and down that it happened for two reasons. One, he said he got word, and he very well may have, he got word that the Aztecs were planning on massacring the Spanish at this big festival they were having. They were going to lock off the city square and massacre the Spanish. So we just massacred them first was his his rationale. And he also said, uh, as soon as you left, Cortez, they started sacrificing a bunch of people again, and it was horrific, and we got mad. But none of that matters at this point in time because Cortez gets back to the capital city, and things are going really, really poorly now. Eventually, Montezuma dies, stands up, gives a speech to the people, telling them to calm down. By now, they realize Montezuma is just Cortez's puppet. Somebody chucks a rock and dongs him in the head and kills him. Now, they have a huge problem on their hands. Cortez and them have to fight their way out of the city. It's actually called the Night of Sorrows. It alone is something I'm going to do a show on one day. Uh, A fascinating fascinating fight when you picture 400, 500 conquistadors fighting their way over the causeways out of a city of half a million mad Aztecs. I mean, it's the, the thought of it is sweet, right? And armor and swords and muskets and dogs and except all of them didn't make it. And sadly for the ones who didn't make it out, they didn't die either. Do you remember at the very beginning when I was talking about the worst pre-death you can possibly imagine? Well, this is your worst nightmare. You see, they captured, I believe it was 70-some Spanish soldiers on the way out. Cortez and all his dudes were now camped outside of the city so they could see and hear this. His men screaming, yelling, crying, pleading for their lives. And then they got to witness their own men. Well, they got to witness what so many thousands, tens of thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands of other people went through, what it was like to be sacrificed to an Aztec god. And it was not a pleasant experience. And I mean not a pleasant experience at all. And so picture this. You are a Spanish soldier. You got captured by the Aztecs. You know what the Aztecs do to captives. You know what's coming for you. And you wake up one morning in an Aztec prison cell and you hear the drums beating. And you know they're beating for you. Wake up in an Aztec prison cell. If you even slept at all, which how could you sleep? And you hear these loud, loud drums pounding. And you have a pretty good idea what's coming. You've heard the stories. In fact, right when you showed up in the capital city, you saw 
what has been described by several people as a tower of skulls beside the temple. And they get you out of your prison cell and they lead you over to the bottom of the steps of this temple. And this temple is tall and these steps are steep. And the drums are coming from up top and they're loud and the crowd is cheering and yelling. And they begin to lead you up the stairs. And as you get up the stairs, the drums are getting a lot louder. And finally you get to the top of the stairs and you see a priest there and he's covered in blood. And there's a horrific looking statue of some Aztec god. And they begin to take off your clothes. Hang on. The Jesse Kelly Show. is the Jesse Kelly show. You're at the top of the temple and the drums are pounding right beside you now. You see the priest covered in blood and I should have mentioned before you started walking up the stairs to the temple, you looked around the bottom of the stairs and there were arms and legs and torsos laying at the bottom of the stairs. They march you up to the top, strip off all of your clothes, put on some sort of headdress and force you to dance as the crowd cheers. Now, remember when I told you Cortez and the dudes who got out were still close by? They were so close by they could see it. They could watch it. And these are not strangers. Try to imagine how close you would be to the men you have fought with through the Mexican jungle for the last year. And you're watching helplessly as he puts on a headdress and dances. They then grab him. They lay him down on a stone platform, table, whatever you want to call it. They take an obsidian knife. While he's still alive, they carve his heart out of his chest like it's Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, and they hold it up. They then chop off his arms and legs, his head, and they chuck it all down those stairs he just walked up where the people roast it and eat his arms and legs. It was part of their ritual. Oh, and the Aztecs were trying to send a message with this one, so they took the heads, some sources say five, some say ten. They took some of the heads of the Spanish guys they just killed and cut off and threw the heads into Cortez's camp so his men could see them. But 
I hope the Aztecs enjoyed that day because that was one of the last ones they were going to have like that. What else comes on a Spanish ship to the New World? Besides the men and the armor, the bullets, the black powder, the sails, the dogs, the horses, what else is almost undoubtedly on that ship? Everybody knows, right? You know. It's on the tip of your tongue. Disease. The Spanish brought smallpox. And it may be up in the air whether Cortez and his group actually could have conquered the Aztecs without this. I doubt it. Although, even if he didn't, what he did accomplish was nothing short of amazing. But smallpox hit that capital and wiped out, they estimate, half of the population. And so many people who died didn't even die necessarily of smallpox. They died of starvation because they had smallpox and everyone else who could bring them food was dead. And they laid there in their beds and died of starvation. I'm going to skip right to the end part here because there's so much I could tell of this story. The Spanish win. The Spanish win big time. They have a huge naval battle on the lake between the Spanish boats that have cannons on them and the canoes of the Aztecs. Like I said, this is... I'm tired of having to say this. Or I guess I should say I'm tired of having this thought. Maybe I just need to go be a producer. But that HBO hasn't made a 12-part series. I mean, my goodness, you could get two seasons out of this. That they haven't made a huge Cortez conquer of the Aztecs series is a crime. That is a scene right out of the movies. The Aztecs launching a bunch of canoes to have a big lake battle with Cortez and his guys that have cannons. It's crazy. Crazy. Cortez and his guys end up winning. The Aztecs are no more. Game, set, match. Now, What was one of the main, main reasons the Aztecs don't exist anymore? What was one of the main reasons they were brought down? You remember that story about the the guy who gave away his daughter to the Aztecs? Do you remember when I told you about how Montezuma sent Cortez a little gold to make him go away? What did those two stories have in common? Anybody? Chris? Mitchell? You don't understand the nature of your opponent. And if you don't understand the nature of your opponent, you are doomed. Absolutely doomed. The Aztecs They somehow didn't understand the nature of who they were dealing with when they took some guy's daughter. It's one thing to have your culture. You know you have a culture, right? You're Aztecs. Let's say it wasn't horrific, but let's say you're just Aztecs and you have your culture and you like it. It's it's a good culture. That's fine, but you have to be aware that – 
buddy, that's not everyone else's culture. How are you that unaware? Yes, you're horrific. You believe in blood. You believe in human sacrifice. But you're out here doing diplomacy. Again, these were not idiots. You're doing diplomacy. You finally get an alliance with somebody powerful and you flay his daughter's skin off her body and wear it in front of him. That is weapons grade unaware. And the Spanish land on your shores. Everybody knows what the Spanish are there for. And you show them you have gold, thinking that will buy them away? I will look at our current state of affairs. And I'm talking about our current state of affairs. What I'm talking about is the Republican Party. Talking about you, talking about me. I'm looking at these bills they're passing, these huge spending bills, these new bills they're considering. I'm looking at, shoot, I'm even looking at Barr coming out and saying, ah, Biden and Obama, there's, there's going to be no investigation there. And I see 100 years of government growth. And let's be clear. You can argue both parties are pretty much the same now, but let's be clear. There are two different schools of thought. America was founded on a limited, small federal government. That's what it was founded on. That's what it was supposed to be. The Democrat platform is increasing the size and scope of government. That is every part of the Democrat platform points to that. Government needs more power, more control, needs to be bigger. So you would think everything in the Republican platform and what they say is government needs to be smaller, less intrusive, less powerful, more freedom for you. And yet for a hundred years, a hundred years, government has only grown under every president, Republican or Democrat. Now, how does that happen? How can that possibly happen? Because Republicans do not understand the nature of leftism. Leftism is a dominating religion. It is not an opposing political party. That means Nancy Pelosi, when she proposes a $3 trillion bill with 8 million Democrat goodies in it that she knows is going to get rejected, and Republicans are standing up there saying, this is outrageous, this is dead on arrival. And everybody's like, yeah, Republicans, tell them. I'm the one sitting back saying, that freaking Nancy Pelosi outfoxed them all again. And I'll explain what I mean in just a sec. Nancy Pelosi, you see, she understands the nature of Republicans. They don't understand the nature of leftists. Nancy Pelosi proposes this $3 trillion bill. 
absurd, right? It's got all every Democrat goodie you can imagine. Protection from deportation for illegals. It's got abortion stuff in there, of course. It's got your know, federal mail-in ballots. I'm sure that's all on the up and up. Totally nothing to see here. Move along. And every Republican, Tom, Dick, and Harry in, in the House and Senate gets up in media. This is dead on arrival. We won't stand for this. This is crazy. And guess what? Nancy Pelosi knows all she has to do is ask for $3 trillion worth of Democrat goodies. And the compromise is going to be $1.5 trillion in Democrat goodies. Every single time every single time government only grows because the gop does not understand the nature of the left the na- the left has figured out this game a long time ago i want i want massive expansion of government republicans that is crazy we'll give you a little expansion of government Wait, what? Wait, what? Who's shrinking it? There is no better example, and I can bring this up now because we're far enough away from a mass shooting that it's not so raw, you can't really talk about it. There's no greater example of this than after a mass shooting. What do you hear after a mass shooting now? Every single time. What is every single news story about? Gun laws. Do we need new gun laws? Should we expand the gun laws? We should have new background checks. We should have a new ban on this. We should have a new ban on that. Should we ban this? I say we ban that. Should we ban? When is the last time? Think about this. I really want you to think about it. When is the last time there was a mass shooting and a single Republican in the House or Senate proposed a law to put more guns in the hands of more people? More gun freedom. Go ahead. I'll give you a second. Let me save you the time. It's not there. They all trot out the same line, so you know they believe it. Guns actually save lives, and they clearly do, right? You remember that mass shooting at the gun show? Yeah, neither do I, because there's never been one. Everybody has a freaking gun. There's a reason they all take place in gun-free zones. We know all this. This is a fact. And these Republican elected officials know this too, right? They're using the same lines. They know this too. So if you believe that more guns in the hands of trained people saves lives, then in the wake of a mass shooting, why aren't you preparing, why aren't you proposing more gun freedom? fewer gun restrictions. Not a single one of them does that. Not a single one of them. The best you can hope for is, okay, we'll consider a couple of these, but the answer is probably no when it comes to the new gun control laws. That's the best you can hope for. It's the best you get. Just hold the line. Just hold the line. And that's why That's why the ultimate failure of conservatism is this. It's not that the ideology is wrong. Founded on limited government, trying to conserve that. The ultimate failure of it, and I don't know where this came to be, maybe this is just the nature of it, is it has no 
ability to play offense. None. And every battle, every war is offense and defense. You can never be purely offensive. You can never be purely defensive. But the best way I can describe it is if I'm sitting in my castle and I'm surrounded by this huge wall and these massive hordes are trying to get over the wall and all I ever do is try to stamp them out once they get over the wall, how long am I going to hold my castle? At some point, you must push out from the wall or you're done. And that's all conservatism is. Attempting to stamp out the little ants as they get over the wall. Uh, Yes, I realize there are more coming. I'm stamping out as many as possible. Okay, that one got through. It's not the end of the world. We'll get the next one. But I'm stamping out the... That's where we fail. Every single time. We are about to rally up a $4 trillion deficit this year alone. That's a big deal, man. And just to clarify, I want you to understand this because you heard me talk a lot lately about the debt and the deficit, and I realize that is not sexy. It's hard to wrap your... It's sexy. Look at this coronavirus patient. This person is dead on a gurney. Their eyeballs have fallen out. Now, that's sexy, right? It bleeds, it leads. Let's talk about that. You know what's not sexy? Talking about monetary policy. It's horrible. That's why I don't do it. But I do want you to get this. When, and I say when, because this is not sustainable. When people around the globe decide that America has taken on too much debt, they will begin to raise interest rates on us. When they raise those interest rates on us, we will not be able to make the payments. When we start not being able to make the payments, then have you ever borrowed a car when your credit was crappy? What kind of interest rate do you get? As soon as you stop making payments, it's the ultimate snowball, or you start making late payments, then the interest goes up some more and goes up some more and goes up some more. It takes one straw, and we are finished. And once you get to that point in time, do you know what's coming? I want you to understand this. All right, hear me out here. Grandma's social security check won't be in the mail. Like, ever again. Grandpa, that checkup he needs when he walks in and tells him he's got Medicare. Yeah, sorry, Grandpa, we don't take Medicare here. It stopped paying out a year ago. That military you're so proud of, I'm so proud of, all those aircraft carriers, the jets and the missiles, and we got Space Force now, and look at the Marines, these rifles are so sweet, we have all the bullets, and bye-bye military. (whistles) How about cutting the United States military by 80 or 90 percent? How's that sound to you? How about every single elderly person? You can argue whether you should be in that scenario or not. Don't be that person. Lots of people have found themselves in that spot. That elderly person who banks on Social Security, what's it look like when they starve? How's that look? How's that look when people can't get medical care? You don't even want to know what a debt crisis means. 
how it looks. And let me tell you something. This is not Greece. You remember Greece a few years back? They went through this, took on too much debt. They had to have these massive government cuts. There were some protests in the street. But, you know, it all worked out, right? Uh, We are not Greece. We are the one in the world who keeps the wolves away. If the American economy falls, if our debt crisis comes... China, Iran, Russia, North Korea, they're going to use this whole daggone world as their own personal portage on. And you know what we're going to be able to do about it? Jack squat. That's what we're going to be able to do about it. So I realize it's not sexy. You and I had better start worrying a lot more about money. Sometimes sleep eludes me. Why? Well, for the same reason it eludes you. Let's be frank. It's not just our bodies that keep us awake. It's our minds that keep us awake. We lay down and we can't turn it off. Sometimes I'm thinking about that history story I just told you today. Sometimes I'm thinking about the story we're going to talk about tomorrow. Sometimes, look, it's the wife, kids, job, pandemic, depression, you know. You go through the same thing. A million and one things go through your mind. And then as you can't sleep... Then it gets worse and worse and worse throughout the night. Stop all that. Get an ebb sleep. You put it on. You don't put it in your body. You put it on, and it applies cooling to your forehead, which calms your mind and puts you to sleep. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Use the code jesse at checkout. Get you 25 bucks off. Get out there today. Go get an ebb sleep. Well, we did our Medal of Honor show yesterday on Ronald Schur for a reason, who we recently lost to cancer. And if it seems like we talk about Green Berets probably a lot on the show, it's because I love them. (laughs) It's because I'm friends with a bunch of them, and they're always squared away. And those dudes fighting in the mountains of Afghanistan, man, are somebody special. So it is a pleasure to welcome Michael Rod Rodriguez, a Green Beret with nine... Deployments, Rod. Nine deployments. What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> How you doing, Jesse? I appreciate you having me on the show. You bet, uh, brother. And 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 really, I appreciate you uh, mentioning Ron. You know, he was a he was a, a friend of mine, and you know, his passing. Um, it's amazing. Um, you know, the guy. It's, uh, it's it's been a hard week for the community. But thank, thank you for, for uh, mentioning one of our heroes. Appreciate it. Oh, geez. Are you kidding me? Thank you for what you do, man. And could you know what? You knew him. I didn't know him personally. I never actually talked to the guy one time. Take a minute. Tell us about Ron. Oh, my gosh. Um, extremely, uh, probably unassuming is probably the best, <laughs> the best way I could use it. When I say unassuming, because people have this, I guess, preconceived notions when you say Special Forces or Green Beret or really anyone in our community where, you know, our Frogman Brothers, the Seals or the Rangers or something like that. They have this this big, scary, super, uh, you know, um, 
spooky guy uh, sometimes, but Ron is probably one of the most, the kindest individuals you will ever meet. But that, you know, um, definitely a high, a high level performer, uh, you know, not only did he serve as Green Beret, but then he, uh, he was also um, part of the, uh, uh, in the Secret Service as one of the, on a counter assault team. And I mean, just a, uh, a great American. I love it. I love it. Well, tell me what you're doing with the Global War on Terrorism Memorial Foundation. What is this? Where did this come from? Sure. Um, so we are the congressionally designated nonprofit that is tasked with building a national global war on terrorism. You know, the current war we are in, a uh, national memorial in our nation's capital. You know, we're a nonprofit. We're started in 2015. And, um, you know, we had to pass a piece of legislation in order to get authorization to do this, because there's a law, a federal law that was written in 1986 that said a war had to be over a period of 10 years in order for a national war memorial to be built. Now, there's no way in 1986 they could have forecasted we'd be in this multi-generational conflict. So in 2017, we introduced a a piece of legislation um, granting an exemption from that law. And, um, you know, it swept through the House and Senate. President Trump signed it into law in August of 2017. Um, And currently we have another bill before the uh, right now to get authorization to build this memorial within the reserve. And just for if anyone's ever been to Washington, D.C., basically where all the memorials are, in order to build on that land, you have to get uh, uh, congressional approval. Uh, if we did not do that, then the memorial would be built somewhere within the city. You know, it, it would kind of lose the, uh, um, you know, it, it's, it's, I don't think it, it, deserve, it, it should be built outside of where the other war memorials uh, are. So we actually have a bill right now, HR 5046, uh, currently at 64 sponsors. And that's kind of, kind of what we're doing right now. I agree. It's completely disrespectful to those guys to build it any other place. Tell me, now I understand you're probably going to try to humble your way through this because all you super ninja types try to do that, but the the Afghanistan war, especially in Iraq, it has been uniquely felt over 20 years by the special operations community. It just has. I mean, it, it's, it's, you got, I mean, nine deployments, that's absurd. Are you guys feeling that strain? I understand that you all go wherever you're told, whenever you're told, and you go kick butt and take names. But is it felt within the community that, man, this has been a lot? It's been a long two decades. Um, so for, you know, I'm not serving anymore. I, uh, I was medically retired a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have my 21 years in the service. But uh, to to my, you know, hermanos that are still serving, all my brothers are still in there, um, it, it is taking an effect. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no doubt about it. You know, if you look at when the war started in 2001, you know, a lot of us were young and spry. Well, all my peers are now the guys in charge, you know. And while nine deployments may sound like a lot, you know, I have friends that are in the 20s at this point, um, which is pretty significant. And, you know, it, to take that step even further is, you know, we have a, let's say, multi-generational, um, <clears throat> our, our children are now serving. So while I served for 21 years and deployed nine times, my wife, she retired recently. She served for 21 years, deployed six times. Our oldest son is now in the 82nd Airborne Division, stationed here at Fort Bragg, um, and he's just, you know, uh, completed one deployment. So, you know, when uh, we hugged our son there at Green Ramp here on on Fort Bragg and watched our son get on the bus to get on the bird to head overseas to patrol the same lands of Afghanistan Mm. that I did, that his mother did, 
you know, really kind of struck a, a, a tone with not just, you know, me and, and, and our community, but really families that serve. Because if you find, I mean, the majority of my my uh, my buddies and, and those that I served with, uh, their children are serving right now. So it's um, it's it's definitely felt. Um, but none of us ever feel um, like we're giving too much. I mean, it, it, I consider it my family. Uh, we consider it a blessing to serve this nation as we did. Well, it's too bad you guys haven't given back to the country, Rod. I, if I remember right, your grandfathers, plural, both served in World War II. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, but and then my father's a, a, a Vietnam vet, so it's just <laughs> no. We, it, it's um, you know, it, it, it's just like I said, my family's considered a blessing to serve. But you know, patriotism takes so many different forms. Not everyone has to put on a uniform, pick up a gun, and run into harm's way, you know, like many of your listeners can be good patriotic American citizens by following your law, being a good citizen, uh, voting, and just, you know, smiling every now and then, you know, it's, uh, patriotism takes many forms, it's just what my family has chosen to do. Did anybody in your family choose the the higher road of going United States Marine Corps? Ah, um, you know what, <laughs> I think one of my great uncles was a devil dog you know during world war ii so uh we had one we had one <laughs> <laughs> he's he's my favorite member of your family now rod right. I, I am sure he is <laughs> all right man now tell me look i think people would like to hear your perspective even though i know that's not what we're talking about today on everything we see right now we got a pandemic we have an economic disaster on our hands people are frantic man they're worried they're depressed i think people would like to hear the perspective of a warrior on how you put one foot in front of the other and what you think they should be doing you know um i believe in this nation and i believe in the american people really you know first and foremost um during my years of service you know uh, i mean we, i served people that you know a nation of the people that i didn't know but i, I love this country and i believe in our country, in our ideals, and, and the principles that we were founded upon, you know, um, I I believe, again, this is just my opinion, you know, we're going to emerge stronger because one of the things that I've noticed in this pandemic where people are in the quarantines, you know, um, people are getting to know their neighbors. You have families that are walking, uh, children riding bikes together. Um, you know, we're getting to, we're getting back to who we are, like uh, you know, the neighborhoods that myself and, and you grew up in, um, you know, so it's uh, I, I really believe that people just need to remember who we are as a nation and who we are as the American people. Tell people how they can support what you're doing, what they need to do. They need to give money. They need to call their congressman. What do people need to do? Yeah. So um, please, I, I would ask all your listeners to uh, look us up. We have on our social media channels, uh, Global War on Terrorism Memorial Foundation, or go to our website, GWOTmemorialfoundation.org. Uh, um, we have a toolkit in there. We need some sponsors. Call your local representatives, call your senators, um, you know, uh, you know, get, get people involved. We need to pass this legislation so we can rightfully honor all those men and women that have served in our nation's longest war. You know, if you if you feel the uh, if you're capable of donating uh, uh, some funds to help support this effort, we would you know, we, we welcome it opening. I'd say the Rodriguez family has given enough for this country. You can call your congressman or senator if you just heard this. Rod, I appreciate your service very much, my friend. Semper Fi. Hey, thank you, Jesse. I appreciate it. God bless. Be good. Screen berets are always like that. They're always like that, man. And there, you should see a picture of this dude. He clearly has one eye that's glass, and he just looks like Terminator. And he sounds like just the most humble human being in the world. Just a life of service, man. What a stud.
Go support that guy. Global War on Terrorism Memorial. Boomer Naturals has natural things for your body. I'll get to the face masks in just a second, but I don't talk to you enough about the other great things they have at Boomer Naturals. They have products there that aren't nasty, harmful chemicals that wreck you. That's why Boomer Naturals has grown so much in recent years. You need to go check out their products, and while you're there, buy a face mask. They have adult sizes. They have kid sizes. And I know you might be saying, Jesse, I'm not wearing a mask. Brother, I don't blame you. I'm telling you. There's a good chance your employer is going to make you wear one when you go back to work. There's a very good chance you're going to have to wear one at sporting events. You're going to have to wear one at concerts. I know for a fact airlines are now requiring you to wear one. Requiring. Go to BoomerNaturals.com. Don't forget to use the code JESSE20 while you're there. Actually get you 20% off every single one. BoomerNaturals.com. I am hesitant, hesitant to start giving any credit to Barr or anybody in D.C., and that's just because I'm cynical. It's not because I'm an anti-Barr guy. I was mad at Barr when Barr didn't press any charges on McCabe. I thought we were just going to see the same old, same old. But Barr, and these are kind of longer than the normal clips I play for you, but I wanted you to hear both of them. I may stop and start it, you know, because I have opinions. They're super important, too. Really important opinions. They have, Barr sounds like a man who's taken this stuff very, very, very seriously, and he should, right? Um, If there was an investigation... In illegal investigation into a Republican underneath a Democrat president, that's a very, very, very big deal. Here's Barr. On what the president uh, or Vice President Biden, for that matter, say in connection with their, their campaigns. But uh, I will address the role of the Department of Justice. I think, as you know, uh, I've commented uh, since I have been attorney general and, and even during my confirmation hearings that over the past few decades uh, there have been increasing attempts to use the criminal justice system as a uh, political weapon. The legal tactic has been to gin up uh, allegations of criminality. Pause it. That is the biggest deal and that of everything I'm about to play for you that he said that is the part that I love the most of using the Justice Department as a political weapon because it tells me when he's using language like that, he is taking this serious because rest assured, that is the big deal. I get that politics is a contact sport. I get it. You've never heard me whine about it. That is what it is. They're going to trash our people. We're going to trash their people. Politics has always been a contact sport. Remember, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson accused each other of pedophilia on the campaign trail. Politics has always been ugly. That's fine. However, however, when you use the power of government, 
the power of the federal law enforcement arm against your political opponent, that goes beyond contact sport. That goes into the tyranny range, and that is a huge, huge deal. Rest assured, rest assured, this is, if this is all found out to be a fact, if there was really an illegal investigation into a Republican by a Democrat using the Federal Bureau of Investigation, that is by far the biggest political scandal in the history of the United States of America. It's that big of a deal. And he sounds like he's taking it serious. The, uh, by one's political opponents based uh, on the flimsiest of, of legal theories. Uh, this is not a good development. This is not good for our political life. And it's not good for the criminal justice system. And as long as... Sorry, I told you I was going to pause it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get to the rest of it. Sometimes it takes me time. We got producer Chris sitting on his rear end today because he's training Mitchell to do the, the backup producer role, which essentially means Chris is doing nothing all day long. And so if something gets screwed up with the audio... Chris was already earlier trying to pass the buck. Hey, don't blame me. It's to be Mitchell because he knows I'm going to yell at somebody about it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm just going to yell at both of these idiots. Be that as it may. I, I just went off there and forgot what I was going to say. Go ahead, Mitchell. This is a disaster. As I'm attorney general, the criminal justice system will not be used for uh, partisan political ends. And this is especially true uh, for the upcoming elections in, in. I remember what I was going to say, and now I can jump back in and say it. Hey, is there any way we can block out that whole last minute of the radio show so nobody knows I forgot what I was Oh, we're live? I forgot we're live. Dang it. I really got to get a podcast or something instead. This is not working. <laughs> All right. When he's talking about the faith in the criminal justice system, again, that's using language I love because I'm glad he understands what a pickle they're in right now. I'm talking about the criminal justice system as a whole. Now, criminal justice systems have never, ever, 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 ever been popular. Ever. No country, nobody looks at their criminal justice system and says, whew, ours is perfect. We nailed it. Because it's a very difficult thing. How do you justly do criminal justice? How do you not overpunish? How do you not underpunish? How do you give fair representation without letting criminals walk? It, look, it's just an immensely complicated thing. What's the appropriate punishment? Should we still be pulling people's fingernails out and burning them at the stake? Ah, let's, let's not go that route. Should we be doing what so many of these Democrat governors are now, turning loose murderers because they might get COVID-19? Probably also not a great call. Like I said, criminal justice is complicated, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm making a big excuse for them because I'm not. I'm about to crush them. I just understand this. We're not the first nation that's been unhappy with our criminal justice system. However, there's a problem.
IRS has a long memory. And what I'm trying to say is if they are calling you, they're emailing, they're mailing, they're threatening, they're not going to forget about you. And I don't know if you've heard, we are currently piling up massive amounts of debt. Our deficit this year federally is going to be $4 trillion or more. Do you think the federal government is going to not collect all the tax revenue they think they're owed? Oh, they're about to be out in droves taking what is yours. Call Paramount Tax Relief today. There's a chance you qualify for the new CNC tax program. It actually allows you to stop making payments while you're in the program. But you don't know until you get a hold of Paramount Tax Relief. They know what they're doing. 800-816-8749. 800-816-8749. Call Paramount Tax Relief today. You see... There's not liking your criminal justice system. Nobody likes their criminal justice system. And then there's feeling like your criminal justice system is actively working against you. Those are two very, 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 very different things. Very different things. There's like not liking the IRS. Um... Who's a fan of the IRS? You've never seen somebody in an IRS t-shirt. Nobody's a fan of the tax collector. Nobody is. So there's not being a fan of the IRS. And then there's Lois Lerner using the IRS to specifically try to destroy your political opponents. Those two things are miles apart. However... Barr at least sounds like he realizes that's how many Americans, including me, feel like justice is being applied, especially when it comes to D.C. There's the in crowd. There's the not in crowd. And in fact, I have a headline on that and more witty commentary from me. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. So Bart seems to be taking this problem real seriously when it comes to the FBI, when it comes to the Department of Justice in general. This headline is, quote, where is Christopher Wray? GOP lawmakers say FBI director is ignoring them. Jim Jordan rips him. Now, Christopher Wray is Donald Trump's pick for FBI director. Let's be clear about this. A lot of this lands on Trump's desk. It does. 
But Christopher Ray, by all accounts, and I'm hearing more and more that Trump is frustrated with him, but Christopher Ray is one of these guys. And the problem is there are too many of these guys in D.C. He's one of these guys that proves the point Barr is trying to make. These guys all look out for each other. Christopher Ray, as director of the FBI, has got to realize, as it appears Barr realizes, that law enforcement, criminal justice in this country is in need of a massive Massive facelift, a massive customer relations campaign, and Christopher Ray does not appear to realize that. It appears he thinks part of his job is protecting the boys. That is the problem. Now's not the time to protect the boys. There is a very good chance, in fact, it looks borderline ironclad by this point in time, that the Federal Bureau of Investigation used... The FISA court to get an illegal wiretap on an, uh, on the Republican opponent of the Democrat president. That is a big, big deal. The Federal Bureau of Investigation running a counterintelligence op against Donald Trump's campaign is a big, big deal, man. That is a big deal. If you're going to do something like that, It can't be off of rumor or innuendo or this guy said this about this guy. If you're going to do something like that, it better be ironclad. And it appears to have been the furthest thing in the world from ironclad. The FBI has a serious reputation problem and has had a serious reputation problem. And Christopher Wray has got to be aware enough to know that. Here's Barr. November. We live in a very divided country right now, and I think that it is critical that we have an election where the American people are allowed to make a decision, a choice, between President Trump and Vice President Biden based on a robust debate of policy issues. And we cannot allow this process to be hijacked by efforts to drum up criminal investigations Uh, of either candidate. And I'm committed that this election will be conducted without this kind of interference. Any effort to pursue an investigation of either candidate has to be approved by me. That's outstanding. That sounds like a man who's taking the problem seriously. And remember when I was talking about has to be based on the most solid evidence You want to launch an investigation under a Democrat president into a Republican president's or potential president's campaign. It better be solid, Jack. And apparently it very, very, very much was not. The law enforcement and intelligence apparatus of this country were involved in advancing a false and utterly baseless Russian collusion narrative against the president. The proper investigative and prosecutive standards of the Department of Justice were abused, in my view, in order to reach a particular result. We saw two different standards of justice emerge, one that applied to President Trump and his associates, and the other that applied to everybody else. We can't allow this ever to happen again. 
The Durham investigation is trying to get to the bottom of what happened, and it will determine whether there were any federal laws broken, and if there were, those who broke the laws uh, will be held to account. But this cannot be, and it will not be, a tit-for-tat exercise. We are not going to lower the standards just to achieve a result. The only way to stop this vicious cycle, the only way to break away from a dual system of justice is to make sure that we scrupulously apply the single and proper standard of justice for everybody. Now, Hold on. See, you remember those little cartoons we used to watch? I've seen the kids' cartoons these days. They suck. But you remember those cartoons we always used to watch? And you'd see Elmer Fudd or Bugs Bunny sitting there. And all of a sudden, this little angel Bugs Bunny would be on one shoulder saying, Bugs, do the right thing. And then this little devil Bugs Bunny would appear on the other shoulder saying, Bugs, do the wrong thing. I've got that going on hardcore right now. There's this little... Angel Jesse on one shoulder. I mean, granted, he's very handsome. And then there's this little devil Jesse on the other corner. Also handsome, but not good, right? And Angel Jesse is saying in my ear, Jesse, Barr is right. We have to stop the cycle. We can't continue this. It's for the good of the country. Barr is right. And I know he's right. I know he's right. But then there's devil Jesse. Whispering in my ear, saying, Jesse, you're really handsome and awesome. But let me just tell you, if we don't screw Obama or Biden for this, then it's only going to tempt them the next time. And you know what? That guy's right, too. The truth of the matter is this. And I don't think it's humanly possible to bring down an ex-president. They know too many people. They're owed too many favors without something that would be, I mean, hugely ironclad. It's just, it's just I, don't, I don't think it's possible to bring him down. So don't, don't delude yourself with the newest Facebook meme that says Barack Obama's going to prison. He's very much not. But doesn't that encourage it happening again? If our standard is, hey, we just need to stop the cycle. Let's not go there and do what they did. It's not that I want a tit for tat, as he put it. It's not. It's that somebody has to burn for this, man. Because if somebody doesn't burn for this, and you know how long I've been yelling about that, how important that is. If somebody doesn't burn for this, it will encourage the next guy. Now, maybe you can argue, and you're probably right, it doesn't have to be Obama. It doesn't have to be Biden as much as you and I would love to see that. But somebody's got to go down, Jack. Somebody has to go down. Anyway. Under the longstanding standards of the department, criminal charges are appropriate only when we have enough evidence to prove each element of a crime. Well, he's saying I've got to cross the T's and dot the I's. I get all that. 
It sounds like they're going forward. I will say this. I have talked to several of my fancy lawyer-type DC friends, and they say this Durham guy who's heading up the investigation is no joke. Apparently, this dude is an absolute bulldog, a total bulldog who, when he sinks his teeth into something, he gets it. This is a man who's gone after the FBI before when they got super corrupt with all that Whitey Bulger nonsense when Whitey Bulger, Whitey Bulger had the FBI working for him in Boston. Yeah, the, the reason some FBI guys went to prison over that was Durham. Now, this guy's for real. Let's see how it works out. All right. It's time to talk about a vicious race, race crime. Except it's fake. Boomer Naturals has face masks. They have lots of them. And I just got word back from a major airline you would know, getting ready to fly somewhere with my family. And guess what they said? You are required to wear a face mask on our plane. I know a lot of you are resistant to wear them. Maybe you're in a safe area. That's fine. Maybe it's a freedom thing for you. Whatever the case may be, Even if you don't think you need one, even if you don't want one, I'm telling you, you're going to encounter a situation in the near future where you have to have one. Go get a good one at boomernaturals.com. One that not only gives you great antibacterial protection, one that's comfortable. It's easy to breathe. It's easy to talk. They have it at boomernaturals.com. And don't forget to use the code JESSE20 at checkout actually gets you 20% off every single order. BoomerNaturals.com. You know, what's my saying about movements, everybody? Not bowel movements. What's my saying about political movements? Every one of them, on the left and the right, you know it by now. Every movement, no matter how noble it begins, becomes a grift. Every single movement. Yes, even that one you love. Even the Tea Party. Don't yell. You're welcome to email me, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I was at all those original tea parties at the beginning. They were wonderful, and they were awesome Americans, and it was a blast, and they meant well, and it lasted about 15 minutes until every Tom, Dick, and Harry figured out they could get famous off it, make a little money off it, get elected to office off it, and it became a watered-down bunch of crap. Oh, They're all the same. The Me Too movement, it died in about five minutes. It went from telling my story of a horrific assault to, I had a bad date. We should destroy his career. And there is no greater example in this world than the civil rights movement. And I know what you're saying. Jesse, you can't say that. I can say whatever I want and do and always will. What a gigantic joke of a scam this thing has become. Because it's become not about rights, not about equality, 
It's become about power. It's become about fame. It's become about reaching a new level of status in America, which there is no greater status now than victim, right? Doesn't have to be race-based, but, I mean, you want to reach the pinnacle, you got to be a victim of something. Look at LeBron James. What's LeBron James's net worth? Producer Chris, look up LeBron James's net worth. I'm almost positive it's four or $500 million. I'm almost positive of it. LeBron James has, I believe, either no father or his father's in prison, grew up poor, rough home life, $500 million. He's worth $500 million has emerged from a disastrous upbringing that would have ruined so many people, has risen to become top five most popular human beings on the planet easily, worth $500 million, an NBA Hall of Famer known around the globe, one of the great athletes of all time, has it achieved everything? And you know what LeBron James did? Put a fake hate, put a fake race crime on himself. Oh, you don't remember it because the media buried it. Because you're not allowed to talk about the things I talk about. But go look it up. LeBron James moves into some fancy schmancy neighborhood and claims somebody wrote racist graffiti on his gate. Eventually calls the cops. The cops show up. There's nothing there. And he claims the property manager cleaned it up before they got there. (laughs) In the era of cell phones and Instagram and everything else, nobody took a picture of it. (laughs) Of course, that's a lie. And the media, it's such an embarrassing lie that the media won't even talk about the story and push his side of it. That's how you know it's really embarrassing because they'd be happy to push his side if there was even a grain of truth. But it was so embarrassing, they all just decided on their own, you know what, let's just forget about this. He didn't He didn't think this race hoax through. This was not, this didn't work out. LeBron James has it all. Should serve as an, 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 uh, an absolute icon to everybody in America of any color. Growing up poor, growing up feeling like you're behind, this is what you can achieve with hard work. And if you're 6'8", 250. But instead, what's he want to be? The man has it all. As we speak right now, he's probably in a bathtub full of champagne being fed caviar by the Russian bikini team. He has it all on a yacht somewhere. And what's he want to be more than anything else? A victim. He can have it all, but somehow he's missing that one thing. I just, I just got to be oppressed. I saw this headline, and this is from NBC News. And everybody took this hook, line, and sinker. I saw it and actually laughed out loud because I knew it was crap. I mean, obviously it's crap. The headline, of course, is Black Professor with New York Plates in Vermont Told to leave the state. Police are investigating. Well, let's, un- you know what? Before we even get to the article, let's unpack the headline. 
black professor. As soon as I saw the word professor, I automatically assumed hardcore, hardcore leftists with New York plates. Okay, so he's a professor from New York. Now we've gone even more hardcore leftists. He's in Vermont told to leave and police are investigating. I didn't even have to get past that. And I knew this whole thing was one big lie. But oh, wait, there's more. It gets even better. Police are investigating the bias-related incident. He says he was flagged down by two vehicles and then told by one of the drivers to leave the state. Authorities said the man who owns property in the state and who was not identified by name was driving his 11-year-old son around at 10 a.m. on Friday, quote, when two unknown vehicles, this is the best part, possibly pickup trucks, approached him and flagged him down. If you were flagged down, meaning you pulled over by people pulling up beside you, do you think you would know whether or not they were pickup trucks? (laughs) Come on with that. Get out of here with that. Nobody believes that crap. Gosh. The victim, who was black, was advised he was not wanted in Vermont and told to leave, police said in a statement. Adding, I love this part. This is my second favorite part. There were significant racial undertones to the interaction. (laughs) What exactly were the racially, you know, what were the significant racial undertones? I don't understand undertones. Did he say something racist or didn't he say something racist? And which, which guy is this? The one who was in the pickup truck or the one who was in something else? Because you pulled over for two people who flagged you down. You have no description of the men or the vehicle. I love this too. Police said the victim was able to verbally de-escalate the situation and drive home. Woo! Glad he was able to make it out of there alive without, without the interaction turning physical. He was, quote, in fear for the physical safety of him and his son, authorities said. Police are investigating, but do not have descriptions of the vehicles or the people. The man was flagged down, pulled over was told to leave with racial undertones and cannot describe a single person who told him that or even if the car was a pickup truck or not. (laughs) That's not a huge lie. And it's met with zero skepticism. Everybody takes it hook, line, and sinker. It's printed on NBC News. (laughs) Gosh. Come on, people. Come on. It's time for this nonsense to stop, right? And that's why every political movement, every movement of any kind becomes a grift. Because there is really, there are racial incidents that still happen. There always have been. There always will be. And they're ugly and they're stupid and they shouldn't happen. And do you know what the average American does when they hear about a racial incident now? You know what they do? Here, I'm going to give it to you straight. They roll their freaking eyes. You know why they roll their eyes? Because idiots like this professor trying to get away with this crap and nobody calls them on it. And now the whole thing's become a watered down, watered down bunch of crap. That guy should be getting called out by other civil rights leaders. You won't hear a peep out of him.
Joining us now, as he does every single Tuesday at this time, former Air Force PJ and host of World News with BK podcast. I've been telling you, you got to get it. It's um, not quite as kid-friendly as my show, even though we talked a lot about child sacrifice today. So, BK, you've got something to say about standards today. Take it away, my man. Oh, yeah, Jesse. So uh, I had a huge rant on this last week, and I got a tons of feedback about it as well. And this is, of course, the story that broke last week about the commander of Air Force Special Operations Command, otherwise known as AFSOC, who said <laughs> at some sort of defense industry conference that he wanted to move away from an assessment and selection of special operators that is based on physical performance. And uh, granted, Jesse, I'm going to go ahead and maybe give the guy a little bit of break. Maybe he was taken out of context a little bit. But this is just like a so such a passion of mine because AFSOC has always been the redheaded stepchild of special operations, and it's a lot to do with their leadership. And for me to hear that the head of an Air Force, the Air Force Special Operations Command no longer thinks that physical attributes are that big of a deal – uh, made me want to vomit, if I could be so blunt. I mean, it was just shocking to me. And this is what you get, Jesse, when you have a pilot who's in charge of special operations and you get crap like this. BK, I need you to break this down for me. Let me get this out here. I have known quite a few guys in that world as far as the Green Beret, COPJ, all that fancy super ninja world, people like yourself. Every one of them to a man talks about how big a studs the Air Force PJs are, and every single one of them to a man says exactly what you just said about the leadership being so poor and it really hurting what those guys can and can't do. Describe to me why, for instance, the Army can run their special operations so well and the Air Force sucks at it. There are plenty of smart people in the Air Force. There's plenty of money in the Air Force. But our mutual friend Clay Martin left the Marines to join Army Special Operations because they do it well and the Marine Corps sucks at it. Why do some suck and the other don't? Well, you know what, Jesse? I hate to say it, but this is actually a service-wide problem. So if you think it's just the Air Force, that's not right. As a matter of fact, since I did my rant on this last weekend, I've heard from uh, SEALs. Green Berets, uh, uh, many, many Air Force guys. This is happening across the board. And it's basically you have a lot of nerds in the Pentagon, and they really believe that they can move away from this and move into an analytical model. And, Jesse, like, for example, Jesse, the Air Force pararescue selection was one of the most notorious selections in the world. That's mm -hmm. gone. They've completely replaced it with uh, a more of an assessment and selection. And from what guys are telling me, it, it almost sounds like an NFL draft type scenario where all they're doing is like taking measurements of how fast you run and jotting down the numbers and feeding it into the algorithm. And it, it, there's no stress at all. Like when in the old days, it was like hours and hours of smoke sessions, of screaming, of getting half drowned in pools and rivers and creeks. And, and it's like that doesn't exist anymore. And, but believe me, it's far from just that. I mean, the Navy is going to undergo this. And you know what? Like I said in the podcast, I don't want to believe that this is just because of the female thing. I really don't want to believe that. But I'm really trying to find, struggling to find a logical answer why they're doing this, why they're ruining. And if you're not from that world, 
you can't even there's a there's such, it's such a culture it's such a part of the culture there's bragging rights there's a record board jesse at the pararescue schoolhouse of who did the most pull-ups who swam the fastest who ran the six mile test tested run who ran that fastest you know the your name is up there and everything they have records it's like a source of pride and if you're a helicopter pilot, and it's no disrespect to them, Jesse, I don't understand that pilot culture of being responsible for a $50 million piece of machinery with everybody on board. That's a whole other culture uh, and a stress that comes with that. I don't pretend to understand it. So why the hell would you put some guy like that in, front, in charge of AFSOC? The guy who's in charge of Naval Special Operations, he's a SEAL. The guy who's in charge of U.S. Army Special Operations, he's a Green Beret. The guy who's in charge of AFSOC is a pilot. So why, what happened to us, BK? Frankly, maybe it is a miracle that it took this long because when it is the pencil pushers making these decisions, let's be honest, man, we see this society-wide way beyond the military. People who go to fancy schools with fancy degrees sit down at fancy desks and they have fancy meetings and they have this way of thinking about them that they can think their way through everything. And frankly, let's be honest, you've seen this. I know you've seen it because I've seen it plenty. They look down on people like you. Yeah, they do. You know, it's just, and I, as I said, you know, you can't understand that culture unless you went through it and what it does. And that whole trust, Jesse, you have in special operations when you're in combat down the road, all of that started because you know, the guy next to you went through some hell like you did. And, and, you know, and it sounds goofy when you say it out loud, you know, talking about going through hell when it's just screaming and making you do push-ups or getting drowned, but it's no joke. And, you know, and, and that's where it all starts. That's why the SEAL, the PJ, and everything else is the way it is. I mean, a new PJ coming out of the schoolhouse, that used to be the most, one of the most physically fit guys on the planet. I mean, you know, you'd be, we, you'd be walking in your unit. And remember, the Air Force is special because the Air Force doesn't do these standalone missions like the other teams do. You know, we augment. You know, a couple of PJs will go to the special op- the special forces team or the special operations task force or SEAL Team Six, and they'll be attached to them. You know, we're not having you don't have like a, a platoon of PJs and combat controllers going out to do the mission. Now, apparently, big picture, that is the big picture for the Air Force down the road. But you can't. The first rule of special operations, Jesse, is you can't mass produce special operations, and that's exactly what they're trying to do. I mean, the Air Force pararescuemen. I'm sorry, Jesse. We were known as the guy who comes out of the schoolhouse, you know, tan, jack, great hair, the abdominal veins (laughs) pulsing, rippling muscles, Jesse. I mean, my God, I was like this bronze Uh, god. It was was almost too much, Jesse. I shouldn't have asked. I shouldn't have even asked. (laughs) All right, BK, I say this with the ultimate hesitation in my voice. I know for a fact I'm going to regret this, and I ask that you remember we do have children who listen to the show. <laughs> what is this about farm animals? <laughs> yes, this was, a very, this was a very important podcast update uh, oh, story, Jesse. Gosh. And there aren't too many farm animal um, uh, abuse stories that slip by me, so I wanted to make sure I get an update for you. Thank you. But yes, a, you. a 32-year-old New Jersey man has pled guilty uh, to many uh, crimes, including uh, basically is like vandalism. And the, the root of these crimes came from he was sending out letters to various uh, farms and ranches in New Jersey uh, demanding that he be allowed to have relations 
with their farm animals, oh. uh, specifically oh. horses and their cows. And oh. what kills me is this article says he was accused of sending emails and letters. <laughs> like, dude sat dude sat down and wrote a letter, Jesse, hey, asking hey. to have... You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And in like, And so when he did this, so he got mad when they wouldn't let him, obviously, which as oh one does. God. And he started Jeez. and he started manufacturing like homemade explosives. And oh, when the cops came to his house, they found like they found like a crossbow and arrows with attached explosives and gunpowder to him. And he was like taking apart firecrackers. So he was gonna go full ham on these ranchers who didn't want him. Uh, pleasuring their animals. And he looks exactly like the kind of guy who would write a letter demanding to have relations with your cow, which are very low on my animal hierarchy, by the way, Jesse. He can have the cow, leave the horses alone. Oh, gosh. I just, I want to go now. BK, (laughs) host of World News with BK, go download it. You will not be disappointed. I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, Jesse. What is wrong with him? What is honestly wrong with him? I'm so grossed out. All right. Hang on. We got a couple more things. Get home last night, excited to see the fam, as I am every day. You know, I don't like many things in life. I don't like many people. I don't like to do anything. I really only like myself. But I get home, and it's nice seeing the wife and kids. See the buddies, and I see they have some contraption out back. I see something on the counter. I walk back and look. And they have one of those little, it's not an aquarium. Chris, what am I talking about? It's not an aquarium. A lizard container, is it called an aquarium? Again, one of the ones you put a lizard in, not a fish. You don't fill it with water. You put some leaves in there and let them run around till they starve to death. It's got holes in the tops. We all know what I'm talking about. They have one of those for all the lizards they catch. And sitting beside it, I can see the top of my whiskey glass. Now, I need to clarify something. I don't drink like I used to. I don't need to be that anymore. There's no need to be that person. But I have one, exactly one whiskey glass in the house. I'm not I'm not doing the hey, we don't keep a lot of that around here. I'm not doing that. I just don't have a lot. I'm not huge on it. I'm not one of these guys who has a glass of whiskey every night. And that's not because I'm a saint. That's because I can't have a glass of whiskey. If I have a glass of whiskey, I'm having six glasses of whiskey. And then I'm sitting here 
behind the microphone talking to you like this the next day going, <coughs> Hey guys, this is great radio. I want to die. Again, it's not because I'm a good person. It's because I'm a bad person. If I'm having one, we're going all in, baby. You know, it's the story of my life. Running for Congress. Taking off in a media career. Joining the Marine Corps. I don't dip my toe into anything. There are some big, big, big time advantages to that. Here I am with no radio talent whatsoever, with a nationally syndicated radio show that apparently you love. I even have my own TV show. So again, it works out sometimes really well. Dive in. Let's do it. Sometimes really doesn't work out very well. That was too much whiskey. That was a losing congressional run. That did did not work out at all. Twice. So that's a long way of saying I have one whiskey glass in the house. We have, because we have two children, we have tons. And I I would guess we have 15 to 20 glasses that are not glass, made of various kinds of plastic. Now, my boys are too old. They're out of the sippy cup age. However, they're still boys. So we have a bunch of non-breakables. We don't require them to wear them. Frankie, they grab the glassware a lot now. We don't micromanage what they drink out of. But we have a ton. And which glass do you think I see sitting back by the Lizard Aquarium on the back porch? My freaking whiskey glass. And I know I'm already looking at where it's sitting. I see the Lizard container. I see the whiskey glass. And I know for a fact this whiskey glass was in no way used to sip on water while we were playing with lizards. I know this already, right? I know it already. And I'm standing at the back door Because I'm looking out back and I'm seeing my whiskey glass. And I say, boys! Yes, Dad! And they're already smiling. You know, they can't even take me seriously. Boys, why is my whiskey glass sitting on the back porch? We were catching slugs! Honestly. what? I understand that's how you want your boys to be. I do. But sometimes, man, sometimes... And then I was yelling at them about it, and all they could do was snicker, and they ran out back and got the glass and put it in the dishwasher, but they were snickering. They weren't even scared. I'll crush those kids. I will. Katie Hill, she says she was that uh, that congresswoman in California, young, radical left congresswoman in some kind of a swing district in California. And let me tell you what, she got to Congress Congress, and she redefined what it means to be a swing district. She was the one who uh, really, really got aggressive with the team building exercises with her staff. And I mean, dug in. Let's just say she made sure they were taken care of and demanded a lot of them as well. So she ended up having to resign. Uh, got a little too close with uh, you know, a bunch of them. So she has to resign, and she comes out because they had to have a special election, and the Republican wins. And Katie Hill comes out and says when she saw the Republican win, this was just a couple days ago, but I don't really get to much news, so I miss this, said she cried when she saw a Republican had won the seat. 
I need to tell you something. And it's going to hurt, especially for you ladies, but you need to hear it. I'll tell you in one second. Guess who slept like a baby last night? Me. I have been telling you about sleep. If I sound a little full of pep today, that's why. <laughs> because, look, I love to sleep. And I'm not me when I don't sleep. I, I, I know that's, that's a saying as old as time, but I'm just a shell of myself. I can't think right. I'm mean. But when I get to work, when I've had a great night's sleep, I'm sharp. A lot sharper. I know you're the same way. Go get an ebb sleep. It's not drugs. It's not a bottle of sleeping pills you're going to down and then feel groggy again the next day. It is something you wear. It applies precise, continuous cooling to your forehead, putting you asleep and keeping you asleep. Go get an ebb sleep. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Don't forget to use the code jesse at checkout. Get you 25 bucks off. Go get an ebb sleep. Ladies, and sadly, this has to be addressed to men too these days. Nobody cares that you cried. Now, I'm not talking about with your husband, siblings, stuff like that. You want to tell your girlfriends about it? That's fine. I know you can post it on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I cried last night. Then you'll get all kinds of people. Oh, I'm praying for you. Oh, hugs to you. Give me hugs. Not one of those people has more respect for you then than they did the day before. Keep your cries to yourself. Suck it up, buttercup. The whole show's on iHeart, Google, Spotify. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave a five-star review. Talk about how handsome I am. I'm going to read a couple more of those tomorrow because you guys are killing me. (laughs) Remember, we're going to be back to do this again tomorrow if we're not thrown off the air. That's all. Jesse Kelly Show. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What? Look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? 
You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a 1,000 at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to supporting our nation's first responders and veterans. Heroes who put their lives on the line for our communities and our country. Heroes like U.S. Army Major Jonathan Turnbull. Major Turnbull sustained devastating injuries at the hands of an ISIS suicide bomber. The complete loss of his left eye, a puncture to his right eye, he needed more than 20 surgeries and countless hours of rehabilitation. Tunnel to Towers paid off his mortgage and gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his needs. His home also gives him hope. With help from people like you, the foundation supports families like the Turnbulls. Join Tunnel to Towers in supporting America's heroes. Our nation's catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, homeless veterans, gold star families, and the families of fallen first responders. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T, Dot org. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to its programs. The 2024 election is upon us, and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at Chalk, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chalk for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Testosterone testosterone fueled again maximize your masculinity today at choq.com use the code jesse for a massive discount on any chalk subscription for life choq.com code jesse limited time offer subscription cancelable at any time Hollywood is under siege from external forces. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover. Brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount.